Now, we must all fear evil men. But there is another kind of evil which we must fear most. And that is the indifference of good men. This is the St. Longinus's Baptism Podcast Channel. This is episode 31. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, and all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus in the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, I could have done this, this particular uh, topic on my more or less secular stream. But I decided that since it was a set of a contest online that brought on this put me you know feeling like I have to do this this topic, I figured I'd put it on the religious side. Now I'm going to clarify my title because I've heard people use that term and if taken in a general sense, it's horrible. (laughs) It's just absolutely horrible. So when I say don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, I'm talking about tactically. Tactically, not as an overall strategy, but tactically. And what I mean by this is what brought this on was I last week I uh, decided to go back to Twitter, which I'm beginning to think was a massive mistake because, um, quite frankly, I wanted to get this, this show more exposure. Once again, not for my glory or any of that garbage, but I feel like I've got a good message. Or I should say, I feel like God's got a good message and I'd like to get it out there. Um, and this particular person, and I suspect he's from the younger generations, because I'm not saying there aren't set of a contest in the Gen X boomer ratio that aren't this autistic. As a matter of fact, they're probably the same people who raised the set of a contest um, um, uh, millennials and Zoomers that are autists. I'm sure that they raised them. But that's neither here nor there. But basically, he was criticizing me. He was criticizing me. And to be quite honest, 
um, the, I, I, uh, never mind. I was going to say something, I'm thinking about it, and it, it doesn't matter. Basically, he was criticizing me for using modern terminology. Modern terminology. I can't, I can't, um, assume that any of you have listened to any of my previous podcasts. So that's going to be my operating assumption. But I have stated at least once and possibly more than once that the purpose of this podcast is um, to reach people who are ignorant about religion, especially the true religion, which is Sedevacantism, which is basically pre-Vatican II Catholicism. And any, any person that has... I'm trying to be charitable here. <laughs> I wish I could say this is only an isolated incident. It isn't. I'm trying to be as charitable as I can be, but this kind of crap really annoys me. Anybody with two eyes and a brainstem understands that you're dealing with modernists and, and secular people. You have to talk, you have to use their language if you want to get your message across. What a concept, right? I know, I know. And then, and this is... This is why I'm saying that the person was being autistic. It didn't even occur to him that basically, at least for the past, oh, I don't know, 150 years, the whole, well, it's gotten worse. I, I will grant that. But basically, modernism, you know, started being a thing in the mid-1800s. So while this person is chiding me and saying, well, you really, you really shouldn't be, uh, you really shouldn't be using modernist terms, we're all modernists. I don't care if your mom and dad were hardcore set of accountists back in the 70s, and that's how they raised you. They were born in modern times, just like I am. We're all modernists, whether we, we know it or not. And, you know, the fact that this realization hadn't even entered into his equation, just like, you know, um... I, I was irritated. <laughs> I was irritated. Not massively, but, you know, I was slightly irritated because um, there's, a, there's a saying on YouTube um, perpetrated, not just, or perpetrated by one podcaster in particular, but basically it became a thing in 2018, which is, a fish in water doesn't know it's in water. So in other words, 
you know, a fish is going through water, but he doesn't realize that, you know, it's water he's swimming in. And I have also made this observation in previous episodes, which is, you know, the modern, you know, the modernist current, the modernist ideas, we've been swimming in that all our life. Whether we know it or not, we've unconsciously picked up the culture. And I, I don't care what based and red-pilled uh, set of accountants bishops say. They're guilty of it as well. Okay? You know. And quite frankly, <laughs> this is the reason... Why um, I started this podcast was, and, and I'm beginning to think that perhaps I'm be, I was being overly optimistic when I had this thought, um, was to open up people's eyes to the ills of modern society. When, when I had this idea, I didn't, you know, I didn't think that I wasn't modernist myself. As a matter of fact, I understood I had a lot of modernist assumptions. But when I dealt with with Zedvacantis uh, in general, they had the same issues, but they, they have a blind spot. They think because they worship the true Catholic Church that they're immune to modernism. No. You're... you're if, like I said, mid-1800s to now, we've all been swimming in modernist waters. Now, once again, for the past, oh, I don't know, 20 years, it's gotten worse. But, you know, um, I've been around for a minute. And, you know, um, just just when you become, you know, a set of a contest and get baptized or whatever, you don't automatically become a medieval um, medieval monk from, you know, the 1400s. You don't become the based in red pill uh, uh, Catholic uh, baron or noble in the 1700s. Okay? They were born in their time for a specific purpose were born in this time for a specific purpose and I guess I guess um, I, I, I don't need to guess I'm, I'm taking this I, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be getting irritated about this because basically I'm just trying to do God's will as I understand it. So, you know, even the people who ostensibly should get what I'm going for does not necessarily mean that they are. They're dealing, you know, I have my blind spots, they have theirs. It's just, you know, I, I to his initial reply, I gave a reply. And everybody... Everybody, uh, well, not everybody, but a lot of people are liking what he said. 
And they're not even looking, as far as I can tell, they're not even looking at my point. But, you know, um, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm going to bottom line this for you, for you Sedificantist autists. And I'm not just talking about the millennials and the Zoomers. If you're a Gen Xer and you're an autist, if you're, if you're a boomer and an autist, Talking in archaic, and when I say archaic, I'm talking, we're talking, if you're trying to talk to the world at large, if you're tossing around uh, Bible pronunciations that haven't been used since the 16th century, if you're using obscure uh, Catholic terms from the early 1900s, your autism is defeating your purpose. And yes, I'm calling it autism because that's what it is. If you can't understand that you yourself are a modernist and that if you want to convert people to your position, you don't talk to them in archaic, outmoded language. Okay? You feeling me? You understand? This ain't rocket science, people. And I have stated in another episode at least once that, you know, that that was one of my biggest criticism of Set of Accountists, especially Set of Accountists podcasters. Is it, I, I called it insider baseball at the time. You know, but... You know, oh, we need to uphold tradition. Vatican II, Vatican II, uh, destroy tradition. You have tradition. But, but you know, try, trying to twist tradition to fit, to fit your little narrow-minded box about what tradition is isn't helping the cause of... um of getting people into the pre-Vatican II church. Okay? And quite frankly, if you don't realize it, you know, I don't know what to tell you. But this is what I'm talking about, letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. You know? You are a modernist, whether you know it or not, and I don't care if you read Shakespeare, and I don't care if you speak Latin fluently. The reason why the Catholic Church survived up until Vatican II was because they didn't change the doctrine, but it evolved with time. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that you know, what What was done in the 200s, you know, what was necessary was kept. What was unnecessary, they let go of it. It's the same thing. Now, I, 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 I sympathize with the fact 
that at least in the boomers and the zoomers, they were probably raised this way. They were probably raised this way. And that's, that's their, uh, that's, that's their uh, idea, you know, because they were taught that. And what I'm saying is, is when the Romans, the Romans in the catacombs were getting persecuted, they didn't hold their services in Aramaic because Aramaic is what Jesus spoke. They didn't hold it in Greek because that's basically what the New Testament was written in. They said it in Latin. Now, I do understand that we don't want a church service in the vernacular. Vatican II has already proven that. And I wouldn't argue that. My point here is, is that, yes, when it comes to church services, yes, when it comes to doctrine, we want to stay traditional. But reading out of a Dewey Rames Bible, which is printed in the 16th century, you're, you're going to lose, you know, you're going to lose your audience. And you should be smart enough to understand that. Using um, theological terms that I, I guarantee you, unless your people the people you're speaking with are set of conscious themselves, you're going to lose your audience. Now, if your only interest is, well, I don't care about everybody else. I just care about my set of conscious buddy. Well, my, my observation would be, well, that's not very Catholic of you but you do you okay but if if you're in this mindset that somehow we got to turn back back the clock and you can pick you can pick your decade or your era 1950s 1900s 1850s 1800s you're 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 wrong. That's all you know. This is as, as charitable as I can put it. You're wrong. We cannot turn back the clock, people. We were put here for a for a purpose. You know, in this time, in this era, for a purpose. And um. You know, ah, uh, quite frankly, um, I've floated this this theory that I have, and I think I might have even said it in a couple of my episodes. I think that the that the set of Vicantis Catholics of now have been put here to make up for the laxity and the lukewarmness of previous Catholic generations. And that the generation that's right now 
and that includes everybody who's alive right now, is going to have to work extra hard. Because basically the prior generations, the only reason we have Vatican II is basically because, you know, you can get all spazzy at me all you want to, Autis. The reason you have Vatican II, your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, going back at least five to ten generations, were lax. They were lax. Don't have to like it. Oh, and, and by the way, uh, because I got a feeling I'm going to get hammered for this if anybody bothers to listen to this, but uh, I got a feeling I'm going to get hammered for this on Twitter too. Um, basically, I'm not saying anything. There are uh, St. Paul says in, in one of his epistles, there's nothing new under the sun. What I'm saying has not been prophesied by Catholic uh, mystics starting at least in the 1800s. I'm not sure if there were any Catholic uh, mystics in the, in the 20th century. But I know that there were Catholic mystics in the 18th, 1800s that were prophesying Vatican II. Uh, and if I'm not mistaking, Our Lady of Good Good Hope, I want to say, basically prophesied Vatican II. I mean, for you Sedvacantus autists out there, let me ask you something. Our Lady of Fatima had a major miracle in 1917 and she told the three Fatima children what uh, what people needed to do now do you think if your if your catholic relatives from that era were doing what they were supposed to be doing that we would have had Vatican II that's the bottom line, you know. Uh, sorry to, to burst your Spurg autist bubble here, but basically if Catholics had been doing what they're supposed to be doing, we wouldn't have had Vatican II. Okay? That's your bottom line there. So no amount of trying to turn back the clock is going to fix that particular problem. You know, we, we, we have a saying in the Midwest. It's too late to shut the barn door after the cows escaped. But, um, <laughs> anyway. Um, now, I want to explain, because I, I don't want to get too long-winded here. It's been a long day. Um, when I say as a tactic... What that means is I speak to people in language that I know, that I understand, in concepts that I know and understand, and I try not to discuss anything that I'm not at least have a working familiarity with. 
Okay? So, I, ta- I, I try to meet people where they're at. Because if you don't, if you're not aware of the mindset of your average secular modernist, then I would say you need to get off of Twitter and start interacting with your neighbors. You know, because bottom line, you know, you could say what you want. It's our jobs as Catholics to bring people onto the uh, the Ark of Salvation. I'm not going to get into that whole thing because I've done two or three two or three episodes on that. But if you are not aware, if you, if you are literally unaware that speaking in archaic terms, speaking in 16th century English from a Bible that you know, and uh, most people outside a set of a contest haven't read. So if you say Isaiah or Jeremiah or Messiah, they're going to look at you like you've grown a third eye. To me, this seems to be common sense, but apparently it isn't. Now, I will admit that I have read from the Douay Rings Bible um, when doing this podcast. It's not that I'm, you know, that I don't understand or that I'm a hypocrite, that I don't practice what I preach. My money situation is a shambles. Um, I plan on getting a Knox Bible, which as far as I know is updated English, but it doesn't have, uh, it was written before Vatican II. So what I'm saying is, yes, I use the Dewey Rames language um, when quoting scripture, but not out of, you know, not out of hypocrisy because I have no choice. And quite frankly, I'll be honest, I haven't studied 16th century English since I took high, uh, Shakespeare in high school. So translating, you know, the... If if you follow the sentence structure and whatnot, <laughs> you know, and you're trying to do this like I do this, you know, while recording, I can't make the proper translation in my head when I'm trying to record a passage of scripture. A lot of times it's easier for me just uh say the passage and then if I remember to try to break it down into into modern day English. But anyway, this is this is my tactic. Meet people where they're at. Try to put things in terms and concepts that they'll understand. Okay? Um as a tactic that's you know uh, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. That is a good tactic. Now, having said that, I'm going to say why it's a horrible strategy. Because a lot of people, and this is people, you know, with a modernist mindset, they've been infected with pragmatism. And basically, what pragmatism is is well you know you 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 fit your strategy for the situation at hand 
You know, in other words, there are no set principles. There are no set um, lines that you will not cross. You know, you're basically, you know, you're saying, well, you know, um, I got to go along with this, be, you know, never mind whether it's moral or immoral. I got to go along with this because basically um, I don't want the perfect to be the enemy of the good. In other words, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, in other words, having principles, having morals, having standards, having standards is the enemy of the good. And that's what, you know, and, and these same people who use this as a strategy, Um, and I will explain the difference between strategy and tactics. Who, the, but the very same people who use this as a strategy will be the very same people who will gripe and moan about the state of society today. <laughs> and, you know, who, who will get butt mad at you if you point out to them well, back in the 90s, there were articles in the papers saying that Bill Clinton was the type of guy you could drink a beer with. And so you started electing those types of individuals. And now you're griping that you elected one of your a-hole neighbors to Congress or, you know, to Senate. And it doesn't even have to go that far up. State Senate, state representative, mayor. Councilman, you know, you 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 basically voted in a guy just like yourself, and you're bitching and moaning because society screwed up. <laughs> they get butthurt at that when you point that out. And by the way, when I point these things out, I tried to be charitable and not so blunt. But I'm just, you know, I'm just. Like I said in an earlier episode, sometimes you, part of modernism is, and I'm guilty of this. Oh, by the way, before I go any further, everything I'm talking about, everything that I'm saying, I've either been guilty of in the past or am guilty of now, but I'm working on it. So, basically, um... You know, people get mu uh, oh, I, I remember what I was gonna say. The, the the main problem with secularist moderns is there's no subtlety. The the, the the Catholic Church, its doctrine is subtlety. But we are you know, we as moderns, I'm including myself in this because I am a modern. I was born in the, the mid-20th uh, century. Yeah, I'm a modern. We all are. But one of our drawbacks as a, uh, as a society, subtlety doesn't work with us. In order to get somebody's attention, you need to either need to raise your voice or to use 
uh, crude or harsh words to wake people out of the stupor that they're in right now. But I try, I try, I don't always succeed. I try to, uh, as a, one of my favorite podcaster puts it, I try to church up at least when I'm recording my religious material. I try to church up my language. So, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to set a good impression and me talking like I did when I was uh, in the army does not help. Once again, tactic. Don't let the, the perfect, the, the, well, the swearing isn't perfect. Anyway, um, so basically you have to meet people where they're at if you're wanting. And by the way, once again, I've said this multiple times. Everything that I'm talking, right now I'm talking about my co-religionists. But this also applies to you autists on the political political podcasts. You know, they get all autistic. And once again, I'm not picking on you millennials and Zoomers, but a lot of these guys tend to be younger guys. You know, they, they want everything ideologically pure. Now, maybe in another episode, I, I will explain why I think politics is useless at this point. Well, at least as far as America goes, uh, America's been bad since its founding. But, um, yeah, basically, politics, there, there's no... There, there is no political solution to this. And I'm sure that the autists on, on the, what they call the dissident right or the normie cons or whoever would say, Ah, oh, dude, you're being blackpilled. You're being blackpilled. I prefer, you can call it blackpill because I can understand given what appears to be your outlook that yes it sounds like I'm blackpilling people I prefer to think of it as my eyes were opened and once your eyes are opened they can never be shut again I mean when you finally die yeah they could be shut but you know what I'm saying it's metaphor it's not an actual literal term now I just I just, uh, for those of you, and this explanation is going to be necessary because especially with the younger crowd, they are totally unfamiliar with military words. They, they, they're totally, I, I once heard a podcaster call an army general an admiral because he didn't know the difference between the army and the navy. And no, it's not me being an artist. Uh, my only criticism of this, of this podcaster was, is he's trying to tell people, you know, why his idea of a system of government would be best for the nation. 
you know, he's telling people this, but he can't tell the difference between uh, an army general and a, and a navy admiral. Anyhow, um, basically, oh, and one other thing. I've got enough time. I, I just want to clarify. If you're going, if your goal is to set up a different form of government than the one that's ex currently existing, you know, part of leading a government or designing a government is actually understanding what your armed forces, you know, the, the different branches of your armed forces. I'm not saying that, you know, you should know all the ranks. You should just know, you know, the differences between the armed forces. If you're going to give advice on how you think society should be run. Okay, so, for, the, for my non-military friends, basically a tactic... A tactic is when it's 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 a small. Uh, I want to put this so that you guys can understand. Basically, tactics are what you use in battles. Okay, so if say like you gotta get to point A and invade point B, you're gonna use tactics. To, to, to get to, 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 to do your overall plan. A strategy is a, is a over, uh, it's a, it's, it's an overall view or what some people would call a bird's eye view. So in other words, uh, Austrian man bad, he invaded Poland and then France declared war on him um, instead of uh, invading France directly from Germany where France was mostly uh, defended he used a strategy of going through Belgium and Luxembourg where there were hardly any French troops at all that's a strategy I hope that that helps. <laughs> uh, I think one of my draw, drawbacks as a podcaster is um, I'm, 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 I'm definitely not articulate. <laughs> I'm definitely not articulate. All right, guys. I really appreciate you spending time with me. I really do. And I want to thank you because you didn't have to listen. You didn't have to be here. I hope that that you found this this episode um, useful and informative. I just want to say I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. God loves you, and I love you too. This despite how I sound, I do love my fellow human beings as best as I can because I'm a human being too. I'm praying for you all. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You people have been chosen. 
to reveal our existence to the world. You will witness what happens here today, and you will tell of it later. 